right? How many have kids? All right, we got a lot of parents up in here. That's what I'm talking about. How awesome it is to see our children run into the living room and so easily jump into our laps, regardless of what kind of day we had. It's one of my favorite things. They, 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 they just like, woo. Like, it doesn't matter. You could have had the worst day of your life. 17 people flipped you off. They threw a chunkle at your face, right? Like, like you, you got in a car wreck. It was the worst day of your life. You go home, you're like, oh, Jesus. And then here comes your kid. Woo, hallelujah. Just jumps in your lap. I believe that in our walk with Jesus, we forget just how easy it is to jump in Papa's lap, regardless of how our week or our day has been. So I want to make it as easy as possible for you <laughs> based on what Jesus did so that we can relieve the pressures of revival culture and Christianity. And I'm saying revival culture because a lot of times when, when, when people minister about revival, it actually looks forward to something that's happening right now. And one of the things that I said that the Holy Spirit shared with me weeks ago is he said, are you going to continue to contend what I've called you to steward? And it's like, think about it like this. You're outside, it's pouring down rain, and you're like, Lord, won't you send the rain? And, and like, it's raining everywhere, and you're soaked. And you're like, Lord, won't you send the rain? Won't you send the rain? And you, you don't have this understanding. It's like, man, but it's raining right now. And sometimes when we're praying for revival, when we're praying for awakening, we can miss what God is doing right now. Because we are longing to see something come to pass that we ourselves really don't know what we're longing for. Because Jesus already paid the price for us to access it today. I want to read something to you. It's in Philippians 2.13. It says this. The Amplified Version says, For it is not your strength, but God, who is effectively working in you, both to will and to work, that is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now, if that ain't easy, I don't know what is. So, so here comes Papa, and he says, he says, okay, Jacob, I want you to call me every day. Well, see you later. Like, that's it. Think about it like that, is that God is looking at us and he says, I'm going to give you what is necessary to please me. He doesn't come to us and say, I want you to formulate and find your own way on a daily basis out of your own strength, out of your own power, out of your own knowledge on how to find me and please me. I'll sit back here. I hope you get it right. That's not a good papa. And in revival culture, sometimes in the Christian culture, we build up this thing that actually brings us to a place where we found our, find ourselves striving for something because we don't see in front of us what we think we should be seeing. And sometimes the dangers of revival culture is you are reaching for something that's already here. And so you are no longer stewarding. Now you're stepping out of that and you're saying, God, bring me more, bring me more. And it's all right there. And now you have manna that's just rotting away. Sometimes in this culture of revival or this culture of Christianity, we can put such pressures on ourselves that what we're doing for God in the moment doesn't seem relevant or doesn't seem worth anything. Oh, well, we're not seeing this yet. We're not seeing that. It's not happening like this. It doesn't look like Azusa look like. It doesn't look like this revival. I'm honored for all those revivals. And they all brought something to the nations. And I honor the moves of the Spirit 
in those, in those things. But beloved, we're in a new dispensation where God is doing something different. Is it going to look like that? I don't know. Will it look like that in some aspects? Absolutely, because God's in it. But I don't want to be looking forward to something that brings hundreds of thousands of people into a church when there are organizations like Wells of Agape that are changing our county and our region every single day. Sometimes when you put the pressures of Christianity and revival on your shoulders, you overlook the daily yes to God. What did Jesus say? He said, give no thought for the morrow. Tomorrow has worries of its own. Like Jesus, as a man, tells us to us, tomorrow will have its own worries. Like, like tomorrow's going to have some struggles. Don't, don't worry. About it. And sometimes in that culture of revival, we're looking forward to something and we're missing the new thing that he's doing here. And it begins to start to make the work of God in our lives sometimes seem like it's unimportant because it's not exciting or hundreds of thousands of people aren't responding. Or we're not seeing great manifestations of power. And I'm telling you, each and every day, God is giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Beloved, I want to let you know that revival happened because three days is all it took for our Savior to resurrect. And he rebuilt the temple in those three days. Yeshua, the king of the Jews, came and he did what he was called to do on the earth. And in three days, he brought revival, not only to the nation of Israel, but also to us, to the nations, to the groups. Did you know that the word Gentiles does not just mean non-Jews? Gentiles means people, group, or nations. Jesus brought revival to the nations. What greater sense of revival than that veil being torn that every day we can run into his presence regardless of where we've been? And the pressures of Christianity can bring us into this place that actually pushes us away from loving God and becoming more of a Martha than a Mary. I want to respond in such a way that keeps me at his feet that I don't care what else is happening around me. I just want to be at his feet. I want everything that I do to come from a place of resting in him. For he is giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. His pleasure can actually be, be transferred into satisfaction. And that word satisfaction means a confident acceptance of something or a fulfillment of one's wishes. You fulfill God's expectations. Say that right now. I fulfill God's expectations. Say that. I'm going to prove it to you. Before Jesus' ministry started, okay, before he was shined down from a pulpit, before he was out there and all this, you know, all this stuff was happening, before the ministry started, what we see in this is we see, we see Jesus, he's getting baptized, and God parts the heavens, and he says, this is my beloved son in who I'm well pleased. So before his ministry starts, before the call of God before the title, before the microphone, before the stage, God looked at him and said, I'm well pleased. And you see, from the womb, I believe even before that, God looked at you and said, I'm well pleased. So you already satisfied God before you even took a step on this earth. 
You already brought him satisfaction. Doesn't that take the pressures of trying to live from a place of, oh man, I messed up. Let me do this better. Let me do this better. Let me do this better. He's not looking for a bride that's going to work into his satisfaction. He's looking for a bride that will rest in the revelation that he's satisfied because of his son, Jesus. You see, Jesus made the way so that we can be that satisfaction. He took the cross for us. Could you imagine how many people do you think would come to Christianity if you went to Walmart to minister to them and you said, do you want to accept Jesus into your heart? Yeah, amen. Okay, well, there's a board outside and I got some nails. And before you accept him, we're going to have to put nails through your hands, nails through your feet, whip you, put a crown of thorns. Uh, I'll pass. I don't want to do anything. No, no, yeah, let, me, let, me, let me pray about it. I'll be back. Jesus already paid the highest price. He's not in crucifying our flesh and in crucifying these desires. He's not asking you to like, like put yourself up and pain yourself onto a cross. It's relying and putting it upon what he has done, giving those things to him. Because apart from him, we're not going to be able to do any of this. Jesus himself said it. Apart from God, he can't do anything. And if the savior of the world said that, how much more for us? There's an ease in our, law, in our walk and in our life when we just rest in who he's calling us to be. And sometimes... In Christian culture, we keep drumming things up, and it makes it almost feel like the works that God is doing now don't mean anything. That's why I love talking with leaders and pastors in the region. I love hearing what God is doing all over. It's one of my favorite things to do. I don't just keep it to hear and that person across the street or that person that's my best friend that's my pastor. I love talking with leaders and pastors to hear what God is doing all over the region. Because I never want to find myself saying, God, you got to do this. I'm like, well, he's already doing that. Oh, but God, there's coming a day where you're going to do this. But he's already doing that. See, and that's the thing about it. In our revival culture sometimes is we keep wanting to revive a bride that is alive. Let me be honest with you. Sometimes I get offended the amount of revival services people have. They say it like this. You know, well, revival is this, revival is that, revival is this, revival is that. If revival is the weighty habitational presence of God, Jesus already gave us instructions for that. He said, if you love me, you'll obey me, and me and my Father will make our home with you. So you want God, you want Jesus to habitate in your life? Be obedient. Put away the compromise. Put away the sin that so easily besets you. Put away the things that you're watching. Put away the things that you're smoking. Put away the things you're drinking. Get out of that rebellion. Be obedient. And Jesus says, me and my father will make our home with you. You want the habitational presence of Jesus? You don't got to work for it. You don't got to have a bunch of the best songs. You don't have to have the best musicians. You don't got to have an air conditioner that blows perfectly. You can have a messy table back there full of donuts and cake. You have to be obedient. He said, I'll make my home. That takes pressures off of our life with him. <laughs> so good. He's pleased with you guys. Before his ministry even started, he said, this is my beloved son in who I'm well pleased. God, God's plans for you all along, no matter what you have done, was to be a son or a daughter. Let me read Ephesians 1, 5 and 6 for you. Having predestined or deciding beforehand, knowing, uh, all knowing, knowing our shortcomings, knowing our failures, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Let me break that for you in just a quick, quick sentence. 
God all-knowing knows all, beginning to end, in between, sent his son Jesus. And within that, there was a spirit of adoption that was released for all men that made a way for us to now be family with him regardless of what we have done. God thought about this before time. He predestined before time, not for just a select few, but predestined before time for all to come into the saving knowledge because of his son, Jesus. Jesus made a way for everyone to, like, let's think about it like that. We make the choice. Amen? We make the choice whether we say yes or no. We make the choice whether we are obedient or disobedient. Right? We can all agree with this. So God said, I have a plan for all men to come into my presence and to know who I am and to live in this salvation because of my son, Jesus. And at that point, really, it's a choice as to whether or not we say yes to him. Because the gospel will be preached to the ends of the earth before he returns. Amen. Everybody will have a chance. Let's just remember that. The ease of his presence. 2 Timothy 1.9. And this is kind of where I'm going to start to close up. He delivered us and saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. His amazing undeserved favor which was granted to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. That word granted means to, free, to freely furnish or to freely give. And when it says to freely furnish, it's actually talking about furnishing a home. So let me read it to you like this. For he delivered us, saved us, and called us with a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he freely gave to us and furnished in his home because of King Jesus. That's easy. Y'all know what a turnkey home is? If you buy a home, there's a home, there's a, you buy a house, but then they have a home that's called a turnkey home. What that means if you buy a turnkey home, literally turn the keys, open the door, sofas, TVs, tables, it, the house is ready to go. It's a turnkey home. It is fully furnished for you to just move on in. You're ready to go. The master bedroom's set up. The bathrooms are set up. The guest room is set up. The living room, the dining room, the kitchen, everything. It's a turnkey home. This is what I like to think about in our walk with Jesus. When we say yes to him, we walk into this fully furnished lifestyle. Not because of anything we could ever muster up, any theology, doctrines, or certificates, right? These, these signs and these wonders will follow them who believe. Right? Casting out demons. We'll be able to, 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 to tread on serpents and scorpions. We'll be able to have this authority, this victory on a daily basis. We'll be able to see people healed, set free. Signs and wonders follow those who believe, not those who are certified with, with a certificate. Those who believe. Jesus made it real simple. And he breaks off the pressure of living in our Christian lifestyle because when you put your trust and faith in him, it makes it a lot easier to live this Christian walk. Now, I'm believing for a great, let me, let me say it like this. I'm not anti-revival. I just feel there are parts of revival culture that put pressures on people that can make us forget what Jesus is doing in the moment and stewarding that. What good is a garden that you're tending to that gets about yay high and then you just leave it alone and walk away? It's probably going to die. But if you continue to contend and steward this, Right? You're going to see it grow, grow healthy. One of the things that we continue to say over and over is the healthiest of gardens has weeds. Sometimes we can be growing healthy, and in the ease of relationship, God's like, oh, let me pull that out for you right there. 
Well, why? Because we're saying yes and we're walking in the obedience of the Lord. We're not, we're not fighting against him. We're not moving against him. We're saying yes every single day because he's giving us the power and the desire to do what pleases him. That's real simple, folks. Really simple. All right. Oh, Jesus, you're so good. Uh, can we eat that cake after this? Yeah, boy. <laughs> yes, Jesus. Um, God is moving tremendously in our city and in our region right now. And like I said, I'm not against revival culture. I'm not. I am believing God for a massive move of the spirit. I'm believing God for a billion souls. I'm believing the Lord to pour out his spirit in ways that I've never seen. What does that look like? I don't know. I, I don't know what that looks like. Does that look like the church in, in a city sells their, their, their buildings to, to, to do, you know, other stuff in the city and they just meet at a park twice a week as an entire group of, of believers and there's no sign or no banners outside the door? I don't know. I don't know what it looks like. And I'm not trying to get it to look like anything. I want my household in order. I want my wife and my children loved. And I want to be stewarding what God is telling me to steward each and every day. If tomorrow God said, Johnny, good run. I want you to close the doors of destiny because I got something else. I would say, guys, I love you all, but I got to say yes. And that's how it would be. And I know for a lot of you, you've been in a place where God has, has asked you to do something. And it's like, this, this is going to be hard, but I say yes. Because you're stewarding the ease of your daily relationship with him. It's easy to say yes. Right? That's why he says, a, a, a stranger's voice they will not follow. We're going to keep following him as long as we can. And I'm not looking forward to something in the future because I'm contending and stewarding what he's given me today. I'm going to be responsible with that. And I am believing for great outpourings. Again, I don't know what it's going to look like. I love Welsh and Azusa and everything else. I love it. I love all those things that happen. Absolutely love them. But I don't know if it's going to look like Azusa. I don't know if it's going to look like the Welsh Revival. I don't know if it's going to look like Brownsville. I don't know if it's going to start by people praying in a sanctuary. It may start, if you've heard David's testimony, wherever he's at, the witch, that she was a confessing witch at Dollar General who gave her heart to Jesus, renounced witchcraft, and was celebrating giving her heart to Jesus, so much commotion that the cops came. And the cops are like, what's going on? David's like, this lady just gave her heart to Jesus. And they're like, what? Right? But if we're contending for something greater, we overlook that. I shared that testimony with some believers, and they're like, wow. I was like, wow? I was like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, this lady was a practicing witch and renounced it for King Jesus. Like, are you kidding me? And all throughout our land, we're hearing more and more testimonies of God doing these things. And I like to look at it in this room right here and now. You're going to, in some way, form or fashion, you're going to allow people around you to eat of the fruit of the kingdom. Now, which kingdom that is, that's up to you. Which sonship you flow out of, that's up to you. Because Jesus labeled the Pharisees sons of the father of lies. You have your, your, you know, 
So you're going to be releasing the fruit of your sonship in one way or the other. From your relationship, relation with Jesus and what he's done for you, or from the side of the enemy's camp. And that's why there's a lot of hurt people in the church and hurt people in the world that have renounced church. Because a lot of church people release the fruit of another kingdom. And they didn't display God's heart correctly. Um, So revival and awakening starts tomorrow when you clock in at your job. You know, it starts tonight when you're at the dinner table with your family. And and what I want to say is, again, I'm not knocking revival culture. Hear me when I say this. I love that. I love awakening and I love revival. I I love that, that in some churches they do need that. Maybe they need that guest speaker. Maybe they've just been dry as dry as drier than the desert. And they need that guest speaker to come in and fire them up. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm, not, I'm not speaking against that. Maybe there's a body that's like, no, we, we want to have these revival services because we're contending for the bride to be awakened. I'm down with that. I'm 100%. I'm not speaking out against that. However, we need to be careful that we're not putting pressures on people that God himself is not putting onto us. Because every day he's giving you the power and the desire to do what pleases him. Come on, he is satisfied in you. You need to remember that. That's the ease of relationship. Jesus made a way. We are made right in the sight of God. Not by the amount of church services we go to. Not by the amount of miracles we've done. Not by the amount of people we've healed. We are made righteous in the sight of God by our faith in Jesus. It all comes back to Jesus, guys. (laughs) Like... That's the simplicity of it. It's all you, Jesus. This ain't my word. It's Jesus' word. This ain't my money. It's Jesus' money. It makes it a lot easier when we knows whose it is. So that knows whose it is. Yeah, sounds right. It's like they say, either he's Lord or he isn't. And when we confess him as Lord, what we are saying is we are saying, Jesus, here are the keys to everything in my life. You now reign over them all. This is the understanding of the Lordship, and that is easy when it's in him. I'm going to say this last thing. It may be controversial. It is what it is. <laughs> uh, first time guest, I love y'all. Thank you all for being here. This awesome family back here. They're amazing. We love y'all. Thank you for sticking with us. Um, hug their necks. Tell them they're amazing before they leave. I want to say something, and uh, this is this is me okay some of you may think differently that's okay I honor you (sighs) oftentimes I hear in church culture they say something like this there is a high price to pay for the anointing there is a high price to pay if you want to give Jesus everything I like to actually counteract that thought by saying it's actually quite easy If the highest price to pay is you no longer watch pornography and cuss people out. If the highest price to pay is you no longer say yes to alcohol and drunkenness. If the highest price to pay is that you you can no longer just spend your money on all this other crap and not give to the church. If the highest price to pay is you have to lay your life down to say yes to him. Is that really a high price? It's a simple price. Imagine it like this. You have a quarter and somebody's about to give you infinity dollars. Hallelujah. 
You live in a cardboard box and someone's about to give you keys to a multi-billion dollar mansion. Is that a high price to pay to trade? And sometimes when we declare there's a high price to pay, sometimes we raise the bar to where other believers say, I guess I'll never walk in that. Because that's just not a price I'm willing to pay. There's no higher price that will ever be paid than what Jesus did on the cross. The lashings on his back that he took, his ribs exposed, his beard torn out, the crown that he wore on his head, the blood that was shed from Jesus, the Messiah, the King of the Jews, the King of Israel, the King of all, the Savior and the Messiah of the world, the deliverer of the nations. There's no higher price that will be paid. And if we think that there's a price that we can pay for that, we're mistaken. And sometimes we can raise the bar to such a level that other Christians are like, God, I guess I'll never have that anointing. Because look at them on stage. There's a price to pay. Sound over here like Vince McMahon. There's a price to pay. I like to actually think that he paid the price so I can walk in the ease of relationship with him. And I'm telling you guys, when you fall in love, when you are in love, the greatest sacrifice becomes easy. The greatest of call or the greatest of whatever it may be is easy when you're in love. Jesus showed us that picture while he walked on the earth. So in love with the Father and the call of God, there was never a plan B, even though he was in that garden sweating and saying, if there is any other way, let this cut pass. But nevertheless, let your will be done. I believe there was a humanity side in that moment for our King Jesus in that moment there. But he responded with, nevertheless, let your will be done, because God, I know that you're making a way for something greater. So this price actually will become easy for me. Why? It said that he endured the cross with what? Joy. Bro, it is easy to live in joy with him regardless of what we go through. So I want to say that. And I do get the understanding of the price to be paid, but I like, I just feel like we have to rid sometimes ourselves of those Christian pressures, that Christian revival culture of, there's a price to pay. Beloved, he paid the price. And he's saying, look, if you want to be with me, you have to lose your life to find me. You can follow or you don't follow. Like he's not asking you to give up all these crazy things and tear your flesh off and walk around with ashes on your forehead each and every single day. No. So stand with me. All right. I love you all. Thank you so much for being here, for being family, for loving Jesus, for worshiping him, for allowing yourself to be equipped. Um, um, it's easy. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy.